I don't know if any of you have noticed, but we live in a noisy world. Maybe like, yes, we've noticed. We live in a world that is just, it's full of noise, and not just noise, not just things we hear, but things competing for our attention all the time. If you don't silence your phone at night, it'll compete for your attention at 3 a.m. When you're trying to sleep, it'll beep. I don't know, I don't know if any of you have paid attention to it this much, but Facebook is tricky. I'll call it Facebook from the pulpit. That sounds nice. Facebook is tricky. If you go on your phone and, and you, you scroll on there, let's say you get lost in time and pretty soon you've wasted, I don't know, half your day. Uh, you, you waste some minutes and then you put it down. I guarantee you within 10 minutes your phone will beep with a notification from Facebook. Some random thing, some, some relative that you haven't talked to and forever you know, posted something. Nothing important, but, but something that it just tries to hook you back in. But that's our world that we live in. That's everything. The noise is all over the place, and it's all competing for our attention. Phone calls, emails, the TV, the radio, the internet, billboards as you drive down the street. You, you drive down any street all over that are saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, please look at the road. Uh, but, but they all want you to see what they have. And actually, these giant companies, they spend so much money to put commercials in front of you. Why? Because they work. They didn't work. They wouldn't spend that kind of money. We, all, we kind of make a big deal about how much like a Super Bowl ad costs every year. And I don't have the number in front of me, but it's some ridiculous number you know, per second of how much a Super Bowl ad costs. But it's worth it for them. Do you ever think about that? They make more money off of those ads than they spend. That little bit of advertisement, that little hook, that little bit, it gets you, and it, and it sinks in deep, and they have you, and it's, and it's constant. And actually, if we think back through world history, if you think back through the, human, the history of humanity, we are the most advertised to people that have ever existed. If you lived in the Middle Ages, and you were in some village, in rural whatever, I guarantee you, you wouldn't know what a billboard was. You just knew that, you know, that was what this store did, and that's what that store did, but they didn't have to advertise you because you, you were a captured market, right? I mean, you were the only person that was going to buy there were people from that village. But now everyone wants you, and they don't just want you. It's not just because you're so nice. They want your money, right? And they want your attention, and they want everything uh, that you have, and it becomes like chaos around us. But yet we read in the beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1, in the creation account, actually how it's, how it's described uh, in Hebrew is, is that God takes the chaos and he creates order. Like that's, that's kind of how the whole thing is planned. It's, it's taking chaos and making order out of it. And he's, he's ordering the light and he's ordering the land and he's ordering everything out of the chaos. But yet we live in a world that feels so chaotic. And then we wonder why we don't connect with God as well as we used to. We wonder why sometimes it feels like we pray and we just don't hear anything from Him. But yet we're distracted. But yet our minds are everywhere and we barely have any time to give towards God. It's like we need to become centered people once again. The world has pulled us 
in all these directions. And we need, we need to figure out a way to pull ourselves back to the center of who God created us to be, which is to be in relationship with Him. We need to figure out how to pull all those pieces back together and to be one again. Now, you won't be behind, but just to let you know, we're in the third week of a sermon series on prayer. Uh, so this week, again, we will be talking about pray and prayer, and the sermon series is called Start With Prayer. So here's kind of the big picture idea, is when life is hard, when circumstances are not going your way, our first calling, not our last desperate attempt at the end, our very first thing is to start with prayer. So when times are hard, we start with prayer. When relationships are difficult, we are called to be people who start with prayer. When the diagnosis is poor, we're to start with prayer. Again, this is not some last-ditch effort once everything else has been exhausted. Our first step is to start with prayer. And when the realities of life are overwhelming and we feel like we can't connect with the God that we know we are to be in relationship with, step number one is start with prayer. Now, I'm using a very simple definition of prayer. I'm just using prayer as talking with God as being in relationship with God, communicating with God. But, but as, as hopefully you all know, this is not some practice that only super-Christians are called to do. I don't know if you know any super-Christians. Uh, maybe you've met some. No, I've met some. They got it all together. They know how to pray to God. And they know how to connect with Him. And, and when I see them do it, I think, maybe that's for them. But that's not how prayer works. That's not how this, this time with God works. This is for each and every one of us. You ever been in one of those one-sided conversations? The other person just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. Don't look at each other. That's not nice. <laughs> and talks and talks and talks. So I will tell this story. He went downstairs to the children's stuff. But our son William, who's 10, and he's past this now, but when he was four, we went on this road trip. Susan's already laughing. I didn't tell her I was telling the story. When the pastor's wife starts laughing, it's a good sign. When he was four, we went on this trip from where we lived in Illinois to where our family was in, in Minnesota. And it was about six and a half, seven hours uh, to drive there. Um, and, and we would do this trip. And again, he was four years old. And as we started driving, we, we looked at each other, Susan and I, and we said, you know, it would be nice if the, if the kid fell asleep. It would have been nice. <laughs> Instead, he started to talk. And I think it was in his own tiredness, he started, and, and we were engaging him in conversation, but I kid you not, this kid talks solid. Without, I don't even know if he breathed. He talked the entire time for a six-hour road trip. In the backseat, we had other side conversations. He didn't care. We were not necessarily engaging all the time, but he just spoke, and he 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 spoke, and our minds are playing that same old prayer, love is patient, love is kind. (laughs) And, And I keep thinking to myself, if I listen to him now at four, maybe he'll tell me what's going on in his life when he's 16. You know, maybe I will earn that uh, in this moment that I, I will be known as a dad that listens. Uh, 
But he spoke and he spoke. And my question is, what do we sound like to God? Is that what a lot of our prayer lives sound like? Now, he's patient, and he's kind far more than I was uh, as the, in the driver's seat of that car. But, but it's true, right? Some, some of us are in the, these patterns of speaking with God where, where we reach out to him and, and we, we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and, and then God maybe has something to respond but then the busyness takes over. Then the chaos takes over once again and the busyness of life, and, and we don't listen necessarily. It's not, not that we're evil or bad people, but, but our, we're not centered and, and we're not focused. And maybe we don't even know we're supposed to listen to God. Maybe, maybe we don't even realize that that's part of this, this prayer conversation, that we pray to him and then we quiet ourselves and then we see uh, what God has for us. Prayer is all about relationships. And any, worth, any relationship worth having it is mutual. It, it goes back and forth, and, and we pray and we listen. So my question is, how do we listen to God? I think it's fair to give uh, most Christians the benefit of the doubt to say, maybe we just weren't even taught how to do this. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but, but if I ask you to raise hands on how many of you were actually taught by someone else how to pray, the numbers in the American church are, are shockingly small. We kind of pick up on it. We see it. We see other people do it. We kind of learn it. Maybe you were taught a certain prayer at, at dinner time, and, and, and that's about it. But we're taught what it looks like to, to both speak to God and to listen to God, to open ourselves up to Him and then to wait for that still, small voice to speak or, or to, to watch our world around us with eyes that are aware that God wants to say something to me. So, so when all these random circumstances happen, then, then we're ready to say, that wasn't random. God was doing something. And, and we pray for things like patience. And then God gives us opportunities to be people of patience. That's a dangerous prayer. Actually, in a few weeks, I'm going to do a sermon. No, you don't pray for patience. No, don't do it. Don't also pray for humility. It's rough. I'm going to do a sermon in a few weeks that's called Dangerous Prayers. So we'll get into that more later. Uh, and it's those kind of prayers. But that brings us to our scripture reading that Jimeline read for us earlier from 1 Kings 19. And here we find Elijah, the prophet. And he's in the wilderness. He's actually uh, run away, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, from his role as a prophet. And, and it's been so hard that he's, that he's fled, and he's out in the wilderness, and, and he hears God speaking to him. And it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. This first 1 Kings 19, starting in 9. The word of the Lord came to, came to him, and he actually heard a voice. It said, What are you doing here, Elijah? You've run away from your duties. And Elijah, in verse 10, in my own translation, says, God, you don't understand what's going on in my life. If, you, if I only explained it to you, then you would agree. So in verse 10, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, on the other hand, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. 
They have torn down your altars, and they have put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So where does Elijah find himself? He finds himself in the desert, running for his life, running away from the very people that he was called to be a prophet to, who have now all turned on him, they've turned on the other prophets, and he says he is the last one left. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains. And it tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? The same question that's in verse 9. You see, I wonder how many in our own lives Uh, especially in this last, let's just say, year and a half. How many of you have started listening to the earthquakes? How many of you have lost your attention on the still, small voice, the voice that says, what are you doing here? And you've started listening to the earthquakes, and and you've seen the foundations, the the rocks, you've seen them shatter. And and maybe it's it's left you just focused on it, maybe it's left you fearful, but it's, it's certainly distracted you. And I wonder how many of you have been listening to the fires, have been seeing the fires and and paying attention to that and not paying attention to the gentle whisper, and how many of you have been listening to the powerful wind that roars by? Remember Elijah here, he's in the mouth of a cave, and he's hiding out in there, and there's wind that's coming past, and he's supposed to be listening for God's voice, but the wind is so strong. And the fires are so strong, and the earthquakes are so strong. But Elijah, I think as a good example to all of us, Elijah keeps listening. He knows that that the Lord is not in the earthquake, that the Lord's not in the wind, that the Lord's not in the fire. That's not how God has come before to him. God has spoken to him before. God has been faithful in the past, right, God's people? God has been faithful in the past. We've seen it. We've seen what it looks like. And as we wait, sometimes there's wind. And sometimes there's earthquakes. And sometimes there's fires. But yet we wait. And once God knows that Elijah has, that, that Elijah has given his attention to God, then, then God speaks again. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now the text goes on and Elijah doesn't really learn his lesson because Elijah says the same thing again. He talks about how the other prophets have been put to death, about how he's been zealous for God, all of this stuff. He kind of gives God the same answer that he did before this experience. But, but I wonder if we can do one better. 
in some of our prayer lives. I wonder if when we connect with God and after we experience this and we see the chaos and, and we're able to still ourselves and, and still listen to God, I wonder if our answers look the same on the other side. But I think our, our calling, our, our need, our desire is that we be people who can keep our attention on God no matter what's happening out there in the world, or maybe even inside. No matter what's happening around, that we can keep our focus on God. So that, that's my first, I was going to say my first point, but it sounds like I'm like the beginning of the sermon, so don't be scared. My first point came light, okay? But if you're taking notes, that's, that's something to write down. First, we need to be intentional about our focus. If listening to God truly is our heart's desire, if listening to Him and, and connecting with Him and not just speaking, not just, not just crying out to God, but actually pausing and hearing what God has for us, if that's our heart's desire, then it also needs to reflect in our time. It also needs to reflect in our calendars. It also needs to reflect in our schedules. The old saying goes that you make time for what's important. And it is very true. So if it is important to you to still yourself, to hear from God, to focus on Him and hear what He has for you, then you will make time. There's this old sermon story. I don't know how true it is. Sermon stories sometimes, who knows. But it's nice. About a mother, and she's at home, and she has several kids, uh, and the, the kids are, are doing what kids do. They're chaos. So she's in the midst of this busy house. She's in the midst of this chaos. But, but she scheduled that 11 o'clock she was going to connect with God. She got it on the calendar. She knew she was going to. And it's 10.55. And it's not looking like it's going to happen. And, and some people have these like quiet prayer spaces or they go out on their, their back deck and it's beautiful and there's the trees and maybe you have a canyon view. Lord bless you. Maybe you're retired. Maybe, maybe you don't have little kids at home. How wonderful. <laughs> well, for this mother, it is not the case. So she makes her own little prayer room. She takes a blanket, throw a blanket, and she puts it over herself. And, and at least I can have this space. Right, in the chaos of the world, at least I can have this. So she's under the blanket, and, and there's chaos, and there's knocking on the blanket, and there's the whole deal, and she's at least trying to focus on God. I think a lot of us this last year need a blanket. If we were going to connect with God, we need that intentionality, that barrier that says, now is the time. Not in five minutes, not, not when everything settles down, not in five years. Now. And, and this is the moment I can make. This is the space I can have. Maybe, maybe it's not this big, uh, beautiful area. Maybe it's not this perfect uh, prayer closet, or some people call them their war room. You know, you have this setup that, like, this is where I pray. This is, this is like the song goes on the Christian radio station. This is where I fight my battles. Uh, I'm right here in this space, and, I, and I'm before God, and I'm kneeling down. Some of us can only afford a blanket, but it's so much better than nothing. It's so much better than just saying, I, I can't right now, 
God. And, and this wasn't a moment where she pulled it up and then she said, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, and puts it down and then goes on with the rest of her day. This was her moment to, to pull it up and say, God, I just, I just need you right now. I need your presence. In, in the chaos, I need you to still me. I know that when I take this blanket down, that the world around me is going to look the same. The laundry is going to look the same. The toys on the floor are going to look the same. And, and grandma's still coming over in 10 minutes. And, and, I'm, and I'm nervous about how the house looks. So Lord, still me in here. Be with me. Calm me in the midst of this world. The second point is that we must listen with open hearts. So the first one is that we need to be intentional about it. We need to take time to do it. The second one is that we actually need to open ourselves up. And very briefly here, um, we need to, to listen to God and we need to not assume that we know what God is going to say. I know some of you are the experts. God doesn't buy it. It's okay. But, but I, I've noticed it even in my own prayer life. When I pray, assuming what God's answer is, I stop listening. If, if I think I know his will, I think I know what, what's going on, then, then I pray and then I, then I close uh, my Bible and then I just go on with my day and I think, oh yeah, I heard from God today. Well, no, I heard from John today. Uh, but, but I need to listen to him. And, and it may sound different. Here's just a few options. It may sound like an audible voice, like with Elijah. I've never heard it. I'll just be honest. I know some of you have. Um, it's wonderful. It may sound like an actual voice speaking to you, God telling you, his will. There's certainly no reason to say it can't. The Holy Spirit can definitely work that way. But it often doesn't. So if that's what you're waiting for, you might be waiting for a long time. What it often looks like to me is, is that I'm led to Scripture and I read Scripture. And, and as I do that day with, when I've prayed to God and I say, God, speak to me, and I, and I open his word and I read it, it's like some of the words are just like jumping off the page. It's, it's like they've been highlighted uh, just for me in my own mind that like th this is standing out to me. This is how God is working right now. That's often how God speaks. Sometimes it sounds like really sound wisdom coming from faithful people of God. So you've been praying about something, something's been going on, and, and you go to some friends, not, not just people that, that you're good friends with, but people that you know are connected with God. People that you know are deep in their relationship with him. And all of a sudden your friend says, you know, I just feel like I have to tell you uh, that you're God's precious child. Or, you know, something like that. And, and you just go, how would you even know that I'm struggling with that right now? How would you even know what's going on? And the answer is because God is working through them. So sometimes it looks like that. And then sometimes it just looks like peace in the midst of the chaos which is such a beautiful gift. Sometimes it looks like lifting up to God and saying, God, uh, this is going on in my life right now and it's so hard and, and I don't know what to do and, and I need answers from you. And, th and then you pause and you wait and, and maybe you don't hear anything and then you go on with your day, but you think, wow, I came to God in a really desperate place and, and now I have this peace 
within me. And we read about it in the scripture, and I find it so beautiful, this peace that passes all understanding. Oh, what a wonderful thing in today's world, in today's chaos, in the busyness of everything, to have this peace around us. So may we be people who listen intently to the voice of God even within the chaos. In the world, there are many voices that are competing for your attention. But you actually get to choose what to pay attention to. Some of them are louder. Some billboards have flashing signs. And some of them are subtle. And and it's the same with everything in our world. Some, Some of the things are louder voices screaming at you. Some of them are the earthquakes. And some of them are the strong winds that are shattering the, the foundations of the rocks. And some are fires that are, that are powerful and are strong. But Elijah didn't focus on them. And neither should we. We should be focusing on God and what he has for us. We need to focus on what's truly important. And we need to pray that the, that the other voices be silenced by God. You see, when Elijah, or last thing, when, when God spoke to Elijah at the end of this verse, it doesn't say that, that Elijah was then ignoring the wind or the earthquakes or the fire. They had already passed. They had already gone. God had stopped those. Those were distractions. Those were there that they really uh, were getting his attention. God had silenced those, and then in the stillness, And in the smallness, Elijah was still listening. He didn't think he got his answer. He was still listening. And then he heard a voice say, what are you doing here? May we all still hear that same voice calling out to each one of us. I forgot one other part. I'll say it quickly. I have people come up to me and they'll say, were you following me around this week? How did you preach a sermon that, was, that just applies to what was going on? I've heard it a few times, not, not to toot my own horn or anything. But I pray during the week and I say, God, let me speak a word to your people. So if that's how you hear it, if you hear it from me, I'm sorry for you. Uh, Hopefully it's not mumbled too much going from here out my voice and out to you. Uh, But but listen to that because that's God. I'm really not following you around. Uh, But I am praying that God would speak to you so that, uh, anyway, I was going to say that earlier, but it was good enough. I didn't want to skip it.